0: What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and our guest. Today, we are sitting down with Chris Stewart, and we are doing the final installment of the Strategic Decision-Making Model. Today, we are going to focus on incident action plan and deployment. So, without further ado, tune in and enjoy all right folks hey thanks for tuning in i got uh my brother Stu sitting with me and we are going to do our last installment of the uh, strategic decision making model and and we are going to talk right now about the incident action plan and the deployment model and how you kind of pull this all uh to uh we operationalize this plan and uh, make it all come to life um so when i think about the uh so when I think about instant action plan, for me it is the strategic overview. It's the thirty thousand foot view of what exactly it is that I want to have done on the fire ground. How do you, how do you think about it?
1: Kinda of, so when we, we, we define it for students, we say what needs to happen on the fire ground to achieve the tactical objectives. What thing, what actions need to take place on the fire ground to achieve tactical objectives. It's not the who, because when we start talking about deployment or the assignment of companies, that's the who. We're simply talking about that what. What is the really, what's the high level of this? Like you said, the 30,000 foot view, but it has to be simply communicated and meant to be discussed on the fireground. So if you're, if this plan any plan that we come up with is overcomplicated and you have to over describe it to make it work or implement it and share it with somebody else. It ain't a good plan. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I'll go back to the, you have to be really clear about your size up and really comfortable in your position in the risk management plan comfortable with the defined strategy you're in and then that makes the plan that much more easy the challenge with if you connect what strategic decision making teaches us or or, or the process it has for us and we talk about the action on the fire ground it's difficult because there is not a time and a place where the ic just stops and says okay now i'm going to give everybody my incident action plan stand by it doesn't (laughs) happen that way right right so Where's the first place that you see the plan or the 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 first makings of the plan is the on scene report or the initial radio report of hey here's 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 what I've got here's the problem and here's what I'm going to start doing about it and by the way I'm going to be command and this is the strategy I'm in right and uh um and that's the first place and then we start to see more of it as we, especially from fast attacking captains. So, uh, company officers that show up at these incidents, we start to see it in assignments. So, uh, you know, command engine two, I want you to go here and I want you to do this and, and command engine three, I want you to go here and do this. And hopefully in that, in those assignments, you're connecting it to the work that not only you and your company are doing, but what engine two is doing and what engine three is doing, you know, and it's connected to the tactical objectives, you know, engine one and engine two are here. We're working on fire control engine three. I want you to get an all clear on the remainder of this house and, uh, and check for extension, uh, you know, over on, over on the opposite end. And so, that's actually a decent plan. That's, you, you've actually covered all the geographic parts of that. You've, you're dealing with the fire. You're dealing with the all clear. And you've, you've connected it to the resources that you have there. Or on scene. Or that you've assigned. So that's how it actually happens. And I, I especially for uh, battalion chiefs, IC number two type folks. I would like us to take more of an opportunity in, a, in the right moment at a fire to better communicate the plan. Is so, And one thing that I focus on as a battalion chief or a shift commander or whatever role I show up at, at these incidents in the Little Red Pickup is once the, assign, the initial assignments have been made and there's, there's a pause or I have to create an opportunity for it, I will get on the radio and transmit to the alarm uh, um, all right, we've assumed command. I've got everybody assigned. I have a large house. I have two or three bedrooms burning. Um, we are working on fire control. I'm getting an all clear in the rest of the house. I'm really about worried about extension into the attic. And simply that communication of that plan, that high level plan connected directly to the tactical objectives and what actually is happening in front of me should communicate to everybody who's either on scene or still coming, you know, what's going on. And, uh, if I'm assigned, what part of the plan do I actually have? And am I responsible for, and if I'm unassigned, what can I anticipate actually having to do based on that plan? Right. Based on if it gets bigger or worse or better or whatever.
0: Yeah. So in our previous, a couple episodes back, we talked about... Days ago. <laughs> we talked about the leader's intent. And I think this, you know, when we start walking through the strategic decision-making model, the incident action plan is really something that as a command, whether you're a fast-moving uh, incident commander on the fire ground on mobile or you're uh, IC number two this is the plan you have to think of through yourself. What am I trying to accomplish, right? I want to, you know, from a high level perspective, I want to contain the fire to the area of origin, whether you are the first guy who shows up or the second guy, where's the fire at now, right? I want to prevent it from extending to all the uninvolved portions of the structure. I want to affect rescue and I'm going to provide support work and try to stabilize this incident. And then the, as we, you know, we are articulating that, To everybody on scene. And you just said all this, so I'm kind of repeating it here for the purpose of clarity. But now we start making assignments. That assignment needs to be consistent with what your plan is that you just articulated in your head, right? So, you know, or out
1: loud, if you have that opportunity, right?
0: Right. So if you have the ability to say that out loud to somebody, you know, obviously the initial assignment, right? We're taking a hose line to this location to contain the fire. And then I want you guys to check for extension, prevent spread into the rest of the occupancy, and then I think it kind of goes unsaid, but we're we're going to we're conducting a search and rescue fire attack. So we're declaring this is what we are doing on this event, and that is consistent with our our plan, which contains our tactical objectives, right? So, which is rescue, fire control, and property conservation. So, trying to address those three things um, in whichever order they you know you can most effectively get that done uh, is, um, is articulated in your plan as you start making assignments. So I think it's, we get hung up on the, we're, we're calling, we're, we're calling this thing out. Okay. In, you know, when we're doing a, a, a testing process, for example, we say, Hey, tell us exactly what your incident action plan is. And guys are like, hold on. I'm, you know, is that my deployment? What, what are we getting at here? Yes, it is your deployment, but what, what we want you to do is stop, and think what are the big chunky things i want to get done from a from a high level and it's almost the same every single time right it's like i want to prevent i want to capture the fire where it's at contain it prevent it from going anywhere else i want to rescue people want to support the incident you know support those objectives with with support work and we're going to stabilize the incident by calling investigators and all these other little things that you're going to do on the incident to support it in the back end um, but we get hung up on that piece because it's not really it's a little bit disconnected from everything else we do in our strategic decision making process
1: so the plan the plan should have nothing to do with how the plan should be what this is these are the elements that need to happen and yep. it needs to be the application of it at this incident this house this apartment building this mid-rise this strip mall this grocery store whatever it is These are the things, this is what needs to occur in order for me to achieve the tactical objectives. Now... Is there going to be stretching hose lines involved in that? Could there be supply lines involved in that? Could there be ventilation of some sort involved in that? Forcible entry in some sort? Yes, absolutely to all of it. But it's not germane necessarily to the to the strategic level plan. Right. It, it is, it's, all those things are going to happen inside of it in order to execute it. That, but that's the deployment part of it, right? That's the, that, is, uh, that is who's going to do it. And the task level is how are they going to do it? If I assign engine three to, to stretch a backup line to the interior of a, uh, I don't know, commercial strip mall occupancy, because engine one's in there and engine two's next door checking for extension and the critical uh, exposure, then um, I want uh, uh, I don't, there's a lot of things that are going to be involved in executing that. All I want to do is say the, I need these things to occur and how that happens is going to is going to happen at a lower level of this organization. I'm not going to articulate that in my plan. right do, If I want somebody to stretch a line into the uh, exposure to the east to check for extension and, and to get it all clear, do I have the expectation that they are prepared to engage in a commercial firefight? Yes. And should be being prepared to engage in a commercial firefight involve a, a supply line, most likely. Well, I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to talk about a supply line in my strategic level plan. I got it. Well, no, we're going to control the fire here. I'm going to have to get companies in these two exposures and probably on top of these two exposures to help manage uh, this check for extension and then getting it all clear here. And then once I can do that. I can then now figure out what is salvageable and then I'm going to I'm going to assign companies to that based on that priority. That's a strategic level plan. And and we really need to concentrate on simplifying that as 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 bosses and as uh and as teachers and as the people out on the fire ground doing it because we 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 tend to overcomplicate it. Listen, an incident action plan, the first time I took tactics and strategy um, from Dennis Compton and Doug Tucker in 1988, 89, something like that. An incident action plan was the same every time: fast, aggressive attack to the inf- to the seat of the fire. We're going to uh, we're going to vet- vertically ventilate to prevent mushrooming. Yada yada yada. All this this standard stuff, and it didn't matter what fire was we showed up on. That was the incident action plan. Well, that doesn't make sense today. Right. That doesn't that doesn't measure our anybody's ability to understand what's happening right now at this fire. And so if that is our if that is our, our free standing incident action plan well, and we show up and that's aren't the right tactics or that's not the right plan for this incident, we're likely putting ourselves in more dangerous position by doing that. That doesn't make sense. So we need to we need to take each individual fire for its, you know, for. For what it is, and and that plan needs to match that, and just purely from a strategic level, what do we need to do to achieve the tactical objectives here? And it likely looks the same, or you, you talk about the same things, but when you talk about where that's happening on the fire ground, and maybe the order of or priority in which that happening... Then there's actually some understanding in that, that again, that'll back up to the size up part of it uh, right. that we talked about in the very beginning. Right.
0: Well, and it goes all, there's a thread of connection all the way through these things, right? From the, from the minute you get deployed or sorry, dispatch, we'll just use dispatch. The minute you get dispatched, you are starting to size it up and you're starting to string these things together. And you might start with a very generic base plan in your brain, right? On a basic house fire, I want to contain the the fire to its location, where bedroom, kitchen, whatever. I am going to contain it there. I want to prevent it from spreading into the adjacent rooms in the structure. And then you get into how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to lay a supply line, take an inch and three quarter interior for search and rescue fire attack at the to the kitchen. We'll say it's in the kitchen to the kitchen. I'm going to have other, you know, my folks poke holes in the ceiling, check for extension. Like that's how you're operationalizing your plan. But the funny thing is, as we talk about articulating the plan, it's a pretty it's a pretty generic plan because almost every fire, what do I want to do? I want to contain it to the area of origin. I want to prevent it from spreading. I want to you know, provide support work to manage ventilation of the structure. Every fire, it's pretty much the same thing. Once I start operationalizing that plan, putting human beings behind that plan and putting it to work, now it's going to start taking uh, drastic changes based on... Um, Access and conditions and the structure and the et cetera, et cetera. You know, two-story versus single-story, commercial versus residential. He starts adjusting how that lays out. But the overarching strategic plan fundamentally is the same.
1: Yeah, so would the plan of Mrs. Smith's kitchen fire be very similar and very much uh, recognizable to the plan uh, to attack the fire in the lumber section of Home Depot uh, in San Jose, California. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to confine the kitchen fire to the kitchen and the and the and the, the lumber section fire to the lumber section. Now am I likely going to be more successful in one incident than the other? <laughs> yes, obviously. But it's still the same thing.
0: It's scalable.
1: Yes. And it should be. And you should still try and do that. Or if the the conditions are right, you still should try and do that. So it it works. It's translatable. It's scalable um, for the incident. And then the deployment becomes very different. The number of people, the volume of resources it takes, the action that they're going to commit to is significantly different. And probably significantly more risky, I guess, if you want to look at the at the Home Depot fire.
0: Yeah. So I want to talk about deployment a little bit because to me, we have a tendency, I think in general, to take for granted how deployment's going to happen. I'm going to race up, hit the air brake, pull a line, off we go. But to me, there are some strategic considerations and, and tactical considerations that we need to think about um, that lead to task level success. Um, when it comes to our deployment model and the way we position ourselves on the fire ground, you know, and I, I like to think of it as, you know, that first three in one is setting the stage for the event to either escalate or deescalate. And if we're positioned poorly, a really simple and great example of this is a fire company that's laying a hose line down the road, going slow enough to have the hose line deploy effectively and, and off to a side versus scattering itself like a snake all the way down the road, right? Simple little thing like that, which takes some discipline to not just punch it and fly down there, um, all the way to staging on a plug so that you can support the operation from a tactical position. So when you think about deployment, what are some of the the things that come into your mind that are critical considerations?
1: So there's two things, uh, two quotes that are incredibly similar. And they mean effectively the same thing, but they're kind of organizationally at different levels. Andy Fredericks from the FDNY would say, yeah, as the first line goes, so goes the fire. Right. And then Bruno would say, uh, as goes the first five minutes, so goes the next (laughs) five hours. Right. So same thing. So most the most effective or how effective our actions are on the front end will be very predictive about how effective we are in the overall incident right so the importance of getting that plan right importance of sizing up appropriately uh, in the appropriate position of the risk management plan strategy before we get there right and then then the implementation of those actions so if we don't i'll I'll couch at this there's a few different things that drive how effective our plan is is how, how good we were in size up and how well we understood the problem and the things that are associated with the problem, the building, the conditions, the life safety, all those things. If we are not, if, if we don't have a good understanding of the effective capabilities of our companies and what is reasonable to ask them to do and what is not reasonable to ask them to do, how long it should take, how much help they're going to need, and um, the likelihood of success based on the conditions. If we don't get that, and, you know, we tell them to 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 do an extended 300 foot uh, stretch to, uh, you know, an apartment or two burning, you know, inside this complex and ten seconds later we're asking them I we need a progress report <laughs> that's that, that I that means I don't understand how how the time and the challenge it's going to take for them to get their work done and the same thing if, if you you're in a position where you need vertical ventilation and literally 30 seconds after exciting you them, you're, you're asking for you know a can report you're you, there's a good chance that ladder captains not going to answer you <laughs> um, so those types of things and then um, effective Tactics. So the the effective assignment of the work is if I show up and I've got you know fifty percent of a house burning, and I uh, um, I need to make sure that I assign my lines my hose lines to positions that are gonna be most effective. And if let's say this fire, I've got I've got a 50 percent of a house burning and that it was a back patio fire. It extended up into the attic. It extended into the living area of the house. And I have serious deal going on. But I do have space that I need to get an all clear in uh, that it's pretty critical. And I have the likelihood that that somebody's there or they could be behind a closed door or whatever. So where I assign my my hand lines actually matters. And I've got to know that I probably need to assign that the first hand line to that exterior part, that fire that started on the exterior. And then I need to assign lines to the interior to start to manage what's going on there. Because if I simply attack the interior portion and I've got the outside fire still burning to beat the band, I'm going to be way ineffective on the inside. And so I need to do this in the right place and in the right order. So there, that's fire behavior stuff. That's tactical considerations. So if I'm not connecting conditions with uh, standard capability or standard expectations, with some understanding of tactics, um, then my plan likely sucks. And I'm uh, and not getting the effective outcome that I want as quickly as I want. Um, so there's there's a lot to this. It's, uh, there is some experience, but there's some education there too.
0: Well, I love that you said conditions drive your actions. That goes right back to the whole point of sizing up the event is to make quality decisions on the fire ground um, that, are, that are relevant and pertinent to the incident at hand. You know, if you decide to, you know, if you're always just going to lay a supply and pull into three-quarter for search for rescue fire attack, that is your go-to move, and you're not paying attention to what's actually happening on the fire ground. You're going to be successful some of the time, but you're also going to find yourself absolutely underperforming on events that are over scale. So you pull up on a Home Depot that's got heavy smoke flowing out of it and you pull that move. Guess what? You are going to be uh, unsuccessful.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? Whatever that looks like. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. that, un- that, that lack of success involves you living.
0: Yeah, but I think about the first, the initial attack and like, you know so go, how goes the first five minutes, right? You've set that event up poorly. So your ability to be successful and for all of us to be successful is that first person on the fire ground has to make some quality decisions based on what you see when you get there. So you really have size up becomes so important and your deployment has to, you have to have a plan that's connected to your size up and then your deployment has to match that plan in a, in a meaningful way, right? And if you bring the right amount of resources, you got to pull the right hand line for the right volume of BTUs and fire that you have. And, um, and and I'll add, you need to bring the appropriate level of resources. So if you need a first alarm, call for a first alarm. If you need a second, call for it. Because your 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 ability to mount the right attack is. Relative to the amount of assets you have, you know, and if you are in a small rural area, that sets you up in a very different way. And guess what? Your tactics have to match that. And um, you know, you think you need to be thinking about a uh, a strategic reserve or a tactical reserve on incidents, especially in our neck of the woods when it's thousand degrees outside, right? You need resources to be able to rotate and safely manage uh, the work cycles over a longer period of time. So deployment is, you know, part of that is, uh, or sorry, that is a big part of deployment is bring in resources to accomplish the the task at hand. And uh, you know, brought up a really good point, which some of that is experience and some of it is training. Um, and if you feel like you lack experience, it's critical that you lean in on the training. The experience will come over time, um, but you got to go pick the brains of, you know, I, of other folks and, and really dig in. You know, part of the reason why I asked you to sit down and have this conversation was because years ago you and I sat down, or I I remember the first time I showed up in the CTC and you and I, and I'm sitting there with the other chief officers and they're having these conversations. And I'm like, Hey man, how come I I never heard this before? (laughs) Right. And I was just young on the job and I was young in my, in my role as a company officer. And I'm like, and, and the folks around me were having conversations at a much higher level. Uh, They just understood it more. And so if you feel like you're that. That idiot in the room who doesn't know, then ask the question, and start having the conversation so you can build that that depth of understanding.
1: We were all the idiot at some point. Every single one of us was. We started there, right? (laughs) Yeah. We we don't know, and um, the other well, another component of it is if you don't understand the modern fire uh, environment, you will continue to make poor choices. If you don't, and, and Chris Slayer is the one that I think said this to me first uh, in, as for the for modern fire environment. It probably was true any time, but if if you are engaging in a fair fight, your tactics suck, right? We should be looking at taking or trying to take an, or utilize overwhelming tactics as often or every time that we can. So if we're just using good enough... Uh, if we're using an inch and three quarter in a commercial fire, and sometimes it gets it, sometimes it doesn't, but if we're successful. Like, ah, see, it's good. No, we should take we should take an overwhelming, uh, uh, make overwhelming choices on our initial fire attack to overwhelm that fire because that fire is going to go out much faster and in a much more significant way. So, if we don't know and understand those and connect those to those ideas, and that's that's part of the I don't know thing in the beginning right and it's okay and this conversation that we're having about fire behavior just in general does not translate to we were doing things wrong i i will say the fdny has probably been the best at that stance is listen what we weren't what we were doing for for them the last 200 years or whatever it is (laughs) was not wrong um we know the environment is different now And we have better information. We have better knowledge that allows us to where we should adapt to our tactics to be better now. And that's really where I think we are at. We didn't. Everybody that taught me did not teach me incorrectly. They weren't purposefully doing it. They they, they weren't bad firefighters. They weren't any of that. In fact, they were fantastic firefighters. But now we know some different we and we know what's different about today and we know we know what we've measured now today, and so we should probably listen and pay attention to that to do what's better for the community. and And that part of it really lies to the goes to the plan and deployment. If I can connect that stuff to of uh, my plan of what needs to get done, and then how I want them to do it through my deployment, we're going to be way way better. And um, and we weren't we weren't not wrong. We want, but we want to be better now. So let's pay attention to what we know now.
0: I love it. That's a great place to start. Stu, thanks so much for sitting down and having this conversation and doing this little mini series with us. And, um, you know, I think, uh, if you're listening to this, you are truly engaging and that's huge and so important. So thanks for leaning in. Thanks for trying to be a better, more effective, more professional firefighter and, uh, keep getting after it.